0: -hmm. All right, one of my favorite movies of all time is Rocky. Right, Rocky, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. How many people, after they saw Rocky um, when they were younger, uh, took eggs and cracked them in a glass and drank them in the morning? Raise your hand, come on, that's up, there you go. Yeah, a couple, yeah. Yeah, we all got Salmonella. Uh, Yeah, that was a great movie, right? It's, It's a great movie. He's a down and out Philly guy. Past his prime, and they give him a shot at the title. Now they only give him the shot against Apollo Creed because they figured this, he has no chance of winning. He really has no chance of winning, against a world champion, undefeated world champion. No one has ever beaten him before. No one's ever knocked him down before. I love Rocky. I love this guy. I love the story because he, it talks about he, he, grew, up, he kind of grew up poor, right? He lived in a kind of crummy apartment. And best of all, he had turtles as pets, right? That tells you what kind of guy he is, all right? Only tough guys have turtles as pets. Um, I love turtles and he, Rocky. And it doesn't really matter where you, what background you come from, right? It doesn't really matter how you grow up, regardless of your background. We all love to to cheer for, if you will. We all love to see the underdog succeed. It's, there's something about it. I think it's because... We are, fallen, we are fallen people. And instinctively, we know that we're the underdog. That we, we are the underdog in a race, in a battle against a powerful foe. An overwhelming foe. An enemy called death. Against all of us, it's death. We know that left on our own, there is absolutely no way we're going to be able to beat him. Like Apollo Creed. Honestly, too strong too big, and sometimes too quick. We're not going to be able to overcome this foe on our own. People try to hold them off. People try to hold them off, but no strategy, if you think about it, no strategy has ever worked. As we get older, uh, it's, it's funny, but as we, as we get older, each time we, we look in the mirror, we see the inevitability of our defeat. And we try all different kinds of ways, but none has ever succeeded. I don't know about you, but I, I drink smoothies like every day, right? I'll tell you, and I mean good smoothies, not the ones. I, I, I like the ones from like Planet Smoothie and things like that. But I'm talking about smoothies that you grind up yourself, that are really good for you, put all kinds of good stuff in there and drink it. I do that pretty much every day or every other day, as much as I can, unless I run out of something and I start Sticking things in there, I probably shouldn't. And I love those smoothies. I also take vitamins pretty much every day. I exercise as often as I possibly can. I drink apple cider vinegar with mother. It's called apple cider vinegar with mother. And it's really, it tastes horrible, but it's really good for you, all right? Every day I drink it. I also drink um, baking soda. Alright? But do not put baking soda and apple cider vinegar together. Alright? Bad thing. Right? You'll think, Pastor Jeff told me to drink this. It, oh no, don't do that. You gotta drink it separately. But I do all those things. I, I want to stay as healthy as I possibly can. We all do. We all want to stay healthy. But death beats every person that has ever gotten to the ring with him. Death always, always wins. The odds are completely stacked against us. As someone put it, the statistics for death or on death are quite grim. One out of one people die, right? It's, just, it's they Undefeated. Undefeated. Death is undefeated, if you will, against us. Constantly, always winning. We know we can't win this fight. We know... No matter how, how much apple cider vinegar with mother we drink or how many smoothies we take, how many, how many times we try to you know, stay healthy, whatever else, sooner or later, this battle is hopeless. We are going to die. When you're younger, you don't seem to really be bothered by it. Little, little children don't even think about it. And teenagers think they're invincible, right? They think they're indestructible. But here's the thing. You get older and you begin to understand the foolishness of your thinking. Again, you look in the mirror and just realize the foolishness of your thinking that, you know, I'm indestructible. It doesn't really matter. It's coming. This is why we love to cheer. We love to cheer for the Rockies. We love to root for the Rockies in life because we're the little guy. And we love the Cinderella story, right? We love the Cinderella story of, of the of the person or the whatever who overcomes overwhelming odds to to win the race to 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 win the to win whatever it is the long shot wins. We love that. You guys remember? Some of you remember. Some of you weren't born. But in 1980, there was the U.S. Olympic hockey team, right? And the hockey team was the greatest sporting event of all time. And if you, were, if you were alive during that time, even if you didn't like hockey, which I really did, it was incredible. The United States beat the Soviet Union in hockey. And some of you younger think, well, big deal. We're, we're good at hockey. They're good at hockey. We can beat them. No, these were college students. These were U.S. college students playing against, at that, at that time, probably the greatest team in the world. And they went up against each other in the United States. One, they were the underdog. When I say underdog, they call it the miracle on ice. That's what it was. And what are the chances of a team like that beating the greatest team in the world? We love those stories. We absolutely love those stories. And I'm talking about this this morning because we celebrate the fact, though, that someone did defeat death. Right. We're celebrating. We come together this morning because someone did beat death and his name was Jesus. Jesus Christ defeated death. All the songs we were singing. Now, at a glance, at first glance, you're, you're thinking, uh, Jesus is the underdog here. If we just take if the people at that time when Jesus was there, they would consider him the underdog. It looked like death was going to have another easy victory. In Isaiah, chapter 53, verses one through three, it says this about Jesus, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. You know what roots out of dry ground look like, right? When something comes up out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. We held him in low esteem. So he looked like the underdog. He looked like just going to be another easy match for death. Before Jesus faced his enemy, Okay? He took the beating of his life. Add that on top of it. Okay? Expectations probably not high here. And then all of a sudden you add you add what happened to him right on top. Before Jesus faced his enemy, he was beaten to within an inch of his life. He was spit on. He was ridiculed. He was attacked. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They whipped him till you could, in his back until you could see his insides. And then they nailed him. Most people, they tied to a cross. It wasn't until like the late 50s, early 60s, they actually found, they found evidence that people were nailed to a cross. Because people will say, they, no, Jesus wasn't nailed to a cross. That's all made up. And they found people who were nailed to a cross. Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross. The ones, the people, the, 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 the ones next to him were tied. He was nailed, nailed to a cross. Imagine being nailed to a cross. Your back is completely opened up. And then they drop that, they drop that cross in the pit and you just hit. And it's a rugged, nasty old cross. And that's what Jesus was put through. And then he went through this horrifying, horrifying death. It seems like Jesus was down for the count. It seems he was, he was down for the count. Everyone around him thought the fight was over. The fight was over. We had such hope for him. He was going to overthrow the Romans. He's the Messiah. He was going to do all these things, but now he's dead. He's dead. They were overwhelmed with grief. They felt so beaten. Their, their hero, their, their, their king, their, their Messiah was dead. He was dead. For three days... He lay in a borrowed tomb. The reason we say it's borrowed is because that first Easter, Jesus rose in victory from the tomb and gave that tomb back to its rightful owner. He is alive. He rose from the grave. He overcame death. Now, some people will sit back and go, well, you know, that's what you Christians love to talk about. Jesus raising from the dead. I would love, love to to, to sit down with you for a longer period of time and walk you through the proof of the resurrection, it's not very difficult to prove that Jesus literally rose from the grave. Okay? So he rose from the grave. He defeated death. He got out of that borrowed tomb. That that glorious morning, then, after Jesus rose from the dead, once Jesus rose from the dead, he knocked death on his backside, if you will. Nicest way to put it. When Jesus rose from the grave, he defeated death. We're singing those songs, right? Death. We talk about how Jesus defeated death. Jesus did defeat death. Jesus got up off the canvas, if you will. Jesus got up from the grave to prove he is who he said he was, and he defeated death. It was a beating of epic proportion. Here's this undefeated enemy, death. That so many people fear, that people fear around the world. And Jesus finally, for the first time, death is down for the count. And Jesus did something that no one else had ever done before. He proved he is who he said he was. As underdogs, we come together this morning to praise God for Jesus Christ who defeated this relentless enemy that we all face. Every single one of us. Every single one of us faces this enemy. It has robbed so many people of relationships. And, and it's something that we... It's like we, as soon as you get to a certain point in your life, you realize that this, this life is going to come to an end. I'm going to lose this battle, this physical battle. And then what? And then what? And that's what causes fear. You know, you see those signs on the side of the road sometimes. Or what happens if you were to die tonight, or you die today, what would you, where would you be tomorrow kind of thing? And you think, oh, who wastes all the money on that? But then you start to think about it. Yeah, if, if I did die today, where would I be tomorrow? It's a question you kind of ponder. As you get older, you start to kind of think that through. Like I said earlier, we love to tell stories of people who, 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 who overcome the odds, right? Who, who, who overcome overwhelming odds. And that's what the disciples did. It's one of the reasons, it's one of the good ways that we can see that Jesus truly rose from the grave. Okay? The disciples are completely distraught. They feel completely beaten. They feel like they've lost. And all of a sudden, this group of people, okay, Ignite! They're on fire. What happened? That caused? we we're all sitting here because of them. How how could the beat, people who are so beaten down and feel like they've lost completely? And all of a sudden they go absolutely wild telling the story. We love we love to tell the story of the one who defeated the, the one that was undefeated, if you will. And that's what the disciples did. Every chance, every opportunity they had, they shared this story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the foundation of our faith. Why is it so important? Because of what Jesus Christ did, really did. And the disciples spent their lives and gave. Here's the thing. Gave their lives for this story, for this truth. They gave their lives. I would personally give my life for Jesus Christ because I have faith. I haven't seen. Blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. That's me. Okay? That wasn't them. They actually saw. So what you'd have to say, if you say Jesus didn't raise from the dead, that all of these guys basically gave their lives because they were lunatics. One person, a lunatic, okay. All of them, all the people who gave their lives for Christ at that point, makes you think. It makes you understand the reality of what we're talking about this morning. That's what the disciples did in the book of Acts. Luke, Luke describes the entire ministry, the entire ministry of Peter and John in five words. Five words. Preaching Jesus and the resurrection. That pretty much sums the whole thing up. Preaching Jesus and the resurrection sums up what they were doing. Sums it all up. And then Paul, Paul summarized the sermon that he preached all over the world in first Corinthians chapter 15, verses three and four. Here's what it says. He says this for I I received what I also pass on to you as of first importance. Number one, this is the most important thing of all that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures and that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the climax of the greatest story in history. And this is what the disciples spent all their time doing, talking about this story, talking about the one who was, it, it, they thought was defeated, they thought was down for the count, but then three days later, he's alive. He defeats death. Done. Death no longer has power over us. We read that, we've we seen that song, death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? Where is your sting? Jesus beat him. Jesus beat death. Jesus destroyed death. So we no longer have to fear death. We no longer have to be consumed by worrying about what's going to happen next. We know what's going to happen next. This morning... I want, I want to remind us why the truth of the resurrection is so important to every single season of our lives. We're in this series called Seasons. Why is the resurrection of Jesus so important to every single season of your life? I want to go through three. Number one. First, Jesus' resurrection is powerful and dynamic because it reminds us that our past can be forgiven. This is so important, that our past can be forgiven. You cannot truly live a dynamic life. You can't live a, a life filled with purpose and meaning if, you, if you're completely consumed with your past and, and the things that you've done in your past. I would say that every single person here knows that they're imperfect. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that every human being that I'm talking to right now, who is hearing my voice later on when they listen to the uh, listen to our online podcast, realize that they are imperfect. What the Bible calls a sinner, okay? People realize that. We, we, we understand that. And in the face of death, when you know that you're imperfect, when you know that you're a sinner, in the face of death, you, you get the, the feelings of hopelessness and fear. You start to think about it and you become more fearful when you, as you get older and you start to realize that, I, I, okay, if God is perfect, if I'm imperfect and God is perfect and cannot be in the presence of sin, i got a problem. God is in heaven, I am here, I am imperfect, God is perfect, God can't be in the presence of sin, so I, I have a problem. We all, we, all, we all have a problem. We instinctively know that our sin separates us from our creator. We know it. It's something we we can understand. It's why you say, "Well, well, how do you, what do you mean? Well, here's what I mean. That's why people say there are no atheists in foxholes, right? You go into the war, everybody's like, oh, God, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, when it comes right down to it and you get into the battle, there are no atheists in foxhole. People start to pray. People start to cry out to God. People start to ask God, save me or whatever else. There are no atheists in foxholes. It's the reason that so many people come to Christ on their deathbed. Because they begin to realize, maybe for the first time in their lives, maybe you've been talking to someone and talking to someone, they're totally ignoring you. But then all of a sudden, when it really comes down to it, they start to think, yeah, what, what is going, what's going to happen next? Billy Joel has a song. It's, it's a song, Only the Good Die Young, right? Only the Good Die Young. He says, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. The sinners have much more fun, right? And you sing, oh, I laugh with the sinners. Right. It's, it it's a really catchy song, right? Laugh with the sinners and cry with the saints. Sinners have much more fun. And that is a wonderful thing to sing about and talk about when you're 28, but not when you're 88. All of a sudden, your tune begins to change. You're not singing that snappy song anymore when you're 88 or 78 or whatever the chance, chance may be, because you start to realize, I'm not really sure if it's so much better to, you know, to cry with the... Well, laugh with the, well, I do rethink this. And you, start to change your, you start to change your tune a little bit. Why? Because we instinctively know that our sin separates us from our Creator. And the more we realize that, the more we start, here's the thing. It's not just because you're getting old and you're thinking, oh, well, I'm afraid. It's, you have wisdom now. You look at the world. Anthony Flew, who is the father of atheism, changed his mind, okay, at the end of his life because of the evidence that he saw. He was a part of C.S. Lewis's Socratic Club. And the Socratic Club basically said, follow the truth wherever it leads. Okay? Follow the truth wherever it leads. And the father of atheism, okay, at the end of his life, after his whole entire life, changed his mind and said, Not, he said, there is a God. How do you come to that conclusion? I don't think it was just out of fear. I think because he used his mind, and as you get older, you start to recognize What's really important? You start to look at life from a different perspective, and you realize that there is a God, and that you want to be in fellowship with that God. We were created to walk in fellowship with God, but sin makes that impossible. Our sin makes that impossible. We want it. We want to be connected, but we're not connected in that way. But then, but then Jesus came, right? Then, then Jesus came, and He shared. He shared the message that we all long to hear. Jesus loved to say, your sins are forgiven, right? When he, the prostitute caught in adultery, your sins are forgiven. He would, when, he would, when he would interact with people and, he, and they would come to him and they were broken, he would say, your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven. He said that all the time. Jesus loved to say, your sins are forgiven. And he could speak on this subject with authority because Jesus connected our forgiveness with his death. He can speak with authority because when he died on the cross, okay, he put us in a position where we can be forgiven. So he connected our forgiveness with his death. He told us, I'm going to die in your place. I'm going to die I'm going to die in your place the innocent would die for the guilty Jesus sinless perfection dies on a cross and covers us from all of our sin what an incredible plan no man could do this no person could do this no human can do this only the one who is fully God and fully man come to the earth, the incarnate Christ who dies on a cross so that we can have a relationship with the Father. Jesus said, Jesus said, I'm going to die in your place. Jesus paid for our sins on the cross, making our forgiveness a possibility and a reality. Now I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, you know, Pastor, I appreciate what you're saying, but you don't know me. And you're, some of you are right. I, I, I know most of you, but I don't I don't know you. And you think to yourself, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. And you don't understand if you understood what I have done. You, you, you realize I cannot be forgiven. I just I, can't, I just cannot be forgiven for my past, the things I've done in my past. And some people are sitting here this morning. You're just feeling trapped. Maybe you've come, maybe you're in and out. You're like, yeah, spiritual, and then you're not, and then you 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 get excited about your faith, and you start reading the Bible a little bit, and then all of a sudden you're pulled. The world pulls you back in, and so you're feeling like, you know, God doesn't want to be doesn't want to be around someone who's in and out half the time, jumping back and forth, and all this kind of stuff. So you think you kind of think like you're trapped, like you're stuck in the past with some guilt or some regret or something holding you down. It's holding you back. And so that's how you're living your life. You feel like you feel like you just have to you just you just have to live with the mistakes that you've made in the past and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. And sin is robbing you of your peace and your joy and your contentment. You want you want peace. Peace. Think about this. Peace. Not stress, not anxiety, peace. You want joy. Joy that comes from inside that no matter what happens on the outside, you still have that joy. You still have the contentment And what you're settling for. Honestly, guys, some, some of you are just settling for happiness now and then. You know, I want to be happy. My circumstances are good, I'm happy. When my circumstances aren't good, I'm not happy anymore and you're overwhelmed. And, but you don't have that true peace and joy and contentment. And you're not living that way and you're believing the lies of the enemy. Hear me out for a second. You're believing the lies of the enemy, okay? Because that's all the enemy has left after Jesus has completely pummeled him, okay? And beaten him like a rag doll. That's all he has left, Death has no power over us anymore. Death, where is your sting? So all death, all the enemy has left is to lie to you about you're never going to be forgiven. How could God forgive you? No one in all of eternity has done what you've done and blah, blah, blah. And it's all a lie from the pit of hell. But you're buying into it because that's all he has left. Number one, to destroy your life now and to make you miserable now and to hold on to all those mistakes you've made, which we've all made mistakes in the past. But not like yours, right? That's that's what you're still hearing in your mind right now, but not like yours. The person next to me can be forgiven, but you don't understand what I've done. That is a lie from the pit of hell because that's all he has left to rob you of your peace and your joy and your contentment and your happiness in this life. Okay, and then to steal the next, if he can keep you away from God, God has said, I know you're a sinner for goodness sake. I know everything I want you in relationship with me. But you're like, oh, I couldn't do that because God could never God can never what I mean, for goodness sake, God can never what? Let me tell you, let me tell you the truth. Paul tells the truth in Colossians two fourteen. What, what the enemy is telling you even now is a bold faced lie from the pit of hell. Let me tell you the truth. Colossians 2, 14, Jesus has forgiven all. Wait, let me say that again. Maybe I'm mistaken. Let's read that more slowly. Jesus has forgiven all. You all know me. You know, I love when he says every and all and everything and all that kind of stuff. Says it again. Jesus has forgiven all our sins. So stop right there when you say, well, you don't understand. I don't care what yours is. Jesus has forgiven all our sins and canceled every, there it is again, I love those words, every debt we owe. Christ has done away with it by nailing it to the cross. Nailing it, nailing it, nailing it, nailing it, nailing it it to the cross. He nailed it to the cross. Everything you've ever done, he's nailed it to the cross. Jesus made it possible for our sins to be forgiven. He, he washed away our sins like, like you wash away your, my grandkids' chalk drawings on the driveway after a rainstorm. Okay, you ever you ever get you give your your kids or your grandkids chalk that they can draw on your driveway or chalk, and they mess the whole thing up. It looks like oh it's beautiful. It looks awesome. It's phenomenal. Some of you are your grandkids maybe they can't draw like mine, but you know you still love them. You still love them. I on the other hand have grandkids who are like massively good artists and they draw all over the place. And when it's done, you're like that is awesome. But then what happens? A thunderstorm comes or a storm comes and wipes it all away. And that's exactly what Jesus does to your sin. And how does he do that? He says in in, in Revelation 18, he says this, I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys. I hold the keys of death and Hades. And then he drops the mic. Mic drop, baby. Because after Jesus gets to say what he gets to say, no one gets to say anything afterwards. Jesus says, I am, I did this, I did that, I rose from dead. Boom, he walks up the stage. No one gets to come up and say, I have a rebuttal. There is no rebuttal. End of story. It's done. It's over. He said it. Now, stop calling God, some of you, honestly, stop calling God a liar. Because when you say, God can't forgive me, God can't do this in my past, you don't understand, I'm just being honest with you. You're calling God a bold-faced liar. Don't call God a liar. Call the enemy a liar. Call Satan a liar. Call your own mind a liar. Call the world a liar. But don't call God a liar. He said it. I believe it. Boom. It's done. Drop the mic. It's all over. That's number one. Number two, the second reason the resurrection of Jesus is so dynamic because it calls me to live in the power of the present. I can live with power in the present. Now, I want want to know, and you all want to know, that your sins of the past are forgiven. That's important. But I also want to know that I can live in the power of the present. I need power. I I need forgiveness for my past. Once I have that, I need to live in the present with power. With power. And that's what Jesus Christ's death and resurrection offers us. Think about it. I need God's power to live right now. Right? So do we all, right? We need God's power to live right now. To keep, to keep me from messing up. To do the things that I know I need to do. And to help me not do the things I know I shouldn't do. I need that. Paul needed that. What I want to do, I don't, know, don't do. What I don't want to do, I do. What a wretched man am I. What do I do? Right? What did he say? He said he has Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Who's the atoning sacrifice for our sins? Not only for our sins, but also the sins of the whole world, right? That's what the word of God says. We have that. We can have power in the present. I need God to help me. I need God right now to help me fight the battles I'm facing in my life right this moment to keep me, right? Some of you can say, I need God to keep me from spinning out of control. I need the power. I need need willpower to help me overcome the temptations of the addictions that I face, I, I need God to help me forgive and, and to and to restore broken relationships. You know how hard it is to forgive people. There are some of you in relationships right now that there's there's a lack of forgiveness and there's broken relationships and we need his power to help restore relationships. We need his power to teach us how to live. It is the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that allows us to live in victory in the present, right now. Uh, you know, here, I'm not giving you a pep talk of, um, of self-help. That's not what this is about, okay? Because here's the reality, and you all know it. Sometimes you grab for your bootstraps, you pull yourself up out of your own bootstraps, and they snap, right? Sometimes, oh, you just have to reach down deep. And you've got to go, you reach down deep. You reach down deep and you come up with bupkis, Right? There's nothing there. You've, you've reached down so many times and you've tried so hard. And so you've reached down, you come up with nothing. But here's the thing that power never stops. I can, If I'm at my worst, God said to me, when you are weak, then I am strong. When you're at your weakest, I'm at my strongest. I can constantly draw on the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ for my life right now, not only to forgive me for my sins of the past, but also to help me overcome the sins of other people in my past that caused such grief and harm in my life when they abuse me or harm me or physically, emotionally or spiritually. I have the power of the risen Jesus Christ who can help me overcome their sins so I don't have have to live in the bondage I've lived with for so long. That is the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because he has risen, he can change us. The selfish, you are selfish. Some people are selfish, right? The selfish can become selfless. The cruel can become Kind. The weak can become strong. God has the power to transform us into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. We can be completely different human beings. Guys, how is it possible for someone like me, how I grew up, the things I had to face, the fears that I had, my greatest fear, my paralyzing fear was speaking in front of anyone, reading anything in front of anyone. Satan had me, man. He had my he had his heel on my neck. The enemy knows who you're supposed to be. And so again, the lies, the lies and he speaks to other people. You are so stupid. You're never gonna amount to anything. You're so dumb. Why can't you be? All these lies, and that's what, you, that's what you've been living with. You've been living out the lies instead of living out God's truth in your life. He's got his, he's got his, his, his foot on your neck. I'm sorry. But the problem with, with that whole picture is that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a person belonging to God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I have the power of the resurrection in me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. God Himself lives inside of me. And I'm allowing some beaten, like a rag doll enemy, to hold me down? Come on, guys. Some of you have had your, excuse me, but you've had your butts kicked for long enough. It's time to do some butt kicking. Okay? Grab the, get some chutzpah, okay? Not from the inside, but from from the foot of the cross, from the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your life. Grab it. Hold on to it. Fight back with all that you have in you. And all you have in you is Jesus Christ's resurrection power and the Holy Spirit of God. I think that's enough to fight back. You are not victims You have victory because Jesus Christ literally rose from the grave. He rose from the grave. And because Jesus Christ rose from the grave, I can have security in my future. In Hebrews 2, 14 through 16, it says, since since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. Listen to these words. Own these words so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives own that were held in slavery by their fear of death. The lies. The lies. The lies. And what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? How am I going to overcome? I can never be forgiven. The lies. The fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps. But Abraham's descendants... You ask Christ to come into your life, you are Abraham's descendants, and that's who you are God's people. You're not just his creation, you're his children, and you have the power of the resurrection to fight back. This morning, this morning, I I really I want to give you I want to give you a chance to to change your life and to begin a new season of your life. And I'm just gonna back up just for a second and make sure that you understand this. Because Jesus Christ rose from the grave, you, you, okay, you have security for your future. So many of us are, are we live in fear of what might be, what is to come. And it's this, this whole idea that, we, that our future is secure brings us back to this, this concept that, that we are fearful of death and, and, and it's crushing us and consuming, it's consuming us. And some of you want to maybe deny it, but we all even if you try to deny it, you realize that at some point death is going to catch up to you. And what you need to understand, what you need to realize is what I read in Hebrews 2, 14 through 16, that Jesus Christ has set you free from the fear of the future of what death may bring. Of what the enemy is doing to you in this present life. Jesus Christ's death and resurrection overcomes all of these things. And if you know Christ, then you know death is not the end. That death is just the beginning. Death, death is just the beginning. is a doorway that leads you to a new beginning. It leads you to peace and eternal peace. Peace and joy and contentment in this life and peace and joy and contentment in the life to come. And this morning, I want to give you a chance. I really want to give each of you a chance to begin a new season of your life. Today is April 1st, right? You can remember that. April Fool's, April 1st. Here, here's the fool. The enemy's the fool today. Because day, today you have an opportunity to start a new beginning. You get a chance to start over. And some of you need a do-over. You need a do-over. And I want to give you a chance to have that do-over, if you will, this morning. I want you to bow your heads with me. And I want you to just think about this. In order to have that do-over, it's just a few simple steps. And they're not not things you do, they're just things you have to receive. And the first one is, you just need to recognize your sin. In Romans 3.23, it reminds us, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We already know that we talked about that. Next, you need to accept God's free gift. Here's what I want you to do this morning. God is offering you a free gift. I want you to just, right in front of you, everyone, please just reach out your hand. Reach out your hands like in a cup. Both hands. Reach them out like you're going to receive something. Just reach out your hands. God wants to put a gift into your hands. In Romans 6:23 it says, "For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ." Most of you know John 3:16, "For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life." And then in Romans 10:9 it says, "If we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. We will have forgiveness of our past. We will have power in the present. We will have security in our future. There's nothing, there's nothing that can stop us. There's nothing that can hold us back from fulfilling what God has called us to be and God has called us to do. And I want to give you that chance today to begin a new life. And if you want to begin that new life, if you want to start fresh, if you want to do over, then I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. You don't have to pray it out loud, just I'm gonna pray and I want you to just follow and just say these words in your heart. There's nothing magic about the words. What's magic is what you're saying in your heart to God. Father, I recognize my sin, and I thank you for the gift of your son Jesus. God, I'm I'm tired of fighting my enemies alone. I'm tired of living with guilt or shame. I'm tired of living in fear. I'm tired of not knowing my purpose. I'm tired of living in addiction or letting temptation control me and destroy my life, destroy my relationships. Father, please fill me. Fill me with your spirit. I want to know that my past is forgiven. I want to know that there's power in the present. I want to know that my future is secure. And I want Jesus in my life. I want the power of his resurrection flowing through my veins. I want to walk every day of my life with you from this day forward I want to be your child not just your creation but your child so adopt me into your family on April 1st 2018 adopt me into your family I pray these things in Jesus precious and holy name as you keep your heads bowed here's what I'd like you to do I want to close off this service in a way that I love to do, the way I love to do it, I want everyone to come up front. We're going to sing together. But if you, if you've given your life to Christ for the first time this morning, this is if this is your spiritual birthday, then I want you to come up first. Just come on up. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to face anybody. Just come up and face up here because we're going to sing together. Maybe, maybe this morning God has. Impressed upon you that your your days of walking the fence are over. You realize it's it's time for me to put first, to put Christ first in my life. It's time for me to let go of all the things that have been hindering me. It's time for me to stop straddling the fence. You just You're just, at this point in your life, you're just like, okay, Lord, I'm in. I'm in. I am in. I don't want to play this game anymore that I've been playing. I just want to be one of yours. I want to be in. I want that power. I want that peace. I want that joy. I want that contentment. I want it all, Lord. I want what you have to offer. I don't want to dabble anymore. I'm jumping in. I'm jumping in the deep end with you. If that's you, I want you to come forward as well. Just come on up. We'll just come on up and we'll sing this song. And then I want everyone to come up. Just... Filter up here. I want everyone up front. We're going to sing this song. We're going to praise God as we close out this service.